What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? No, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Beyond the box score. The uh, advanced guys are back. Dan and Gibbs are here. They took last week off. Pretty lame. But Frank and I held down the fort. And now welcome back to Jacob. Well, really welcome back to Jacob. What's up, Jacob? <laughs> I am glad to be back, man. You and Frank killed it last week. I was uh, <laughs> I didn't know who was coming on, and I was thrilled to see Frank. He always does such a great job. So, yeah, oh, thanks, glad we got man. a good feeling. Uh, and Dan, you know, I'm sure today's Halloween. You're going to go uh, You're going to go trick-or-treating. You're going to get candy, and you're going to eat just the inferior parts of every candy. Yeah, that's my go-to. <laughs> that's my MO, and I've accepted that. Um, it's certainly better than my music takes, which are – even more god awful. But I will say this: <laughs> luckily for Jacob and I, we did take last week off because we were planning a, a dual threat victory lap on Adam <laughs> for for four weeks now, calling that you should stash Wandell Robinson. Then he has his breakout last week, and then we were going to give you some hard times for that, Adam, because Adam did astutely now say you can't trust anyone in that Giants passing game. You can't trust him as every guy. And of course, as we saw, everyone fired him up for their lineups this week in the flex spot. <laughs> and some people even in their wide receiver three, and he dropped an absolute goose egg, essentially a goose egg on you. So we can't take that lap anymore. No, Adam can take that lap. I appreciate your 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 hall of shame lap that you're taking right now. I do appreciate that. <laughs> Sometimes um, you got to give credit where it's due. You know, I was going to say, this is the first week of the year that neither the Giants or the Chiefs won, but it's actually not true. They both lost in week three. Uh, of course, they both didn't lose in week eight. The Chiefs were on a bye, and when they come back from their bye, they will have Kadarius Tony. That'll be one of the news items we highlight. Uh, it is Halloween, so happy Halloween to everybody. I don't know which YouTube poll we have up, but I am very excited to see it right now, so I'm going to check that out. Thomas Schaefer is the best in the business at that for sure. Um, and uh, I have a Halloween costume question that I will uh, that I will ask you guys later. Here's the question on YouTube. What do you do with leftover Halloween candy? Eat it later, bring it to work, throw it away, or what leftover candy? More on that in a bit. Let's get into the game from last night here. Uh, we've got, obviously, the advanced stats that you need to know, the five big topics we have today, DeAndre Swift's workload, um, running back versus wide receiver right now, which position is better, Dak Prescott, uh, and his outlook, the Raiders and the the dud. I have a great theory on the Raiders. I have na- I'm nailing this theory on the Raiders <laughs> later. And uh, DJ Moore, is he a must-start wide receiver as long as P.J. Walker is his quarterback, which will once again be the case in Week 9. Buffalo 27, Green Bay 17. Jacob, what did you think of Sunday Night Football? Any big takeaways? It's actually the worst game of the year for Josh Allen. Any big takeaways from you? Um. No, there wasn't a whole lot. Romeo Dubs looked good um, and and played a lot. I was a little bit worried. There were some kind of weird quotes from Aaron Rodgers after last week, and I thought that might be him that was going to you know see a dip in playing time, but it, that's not the case. He saw a ton of air yards and uh, converted that to a good game. Uh, the other thing I would note is that James Cook is clearly playing ahead of Zach Moss. We've seen that for two straight weeks. So if something happens to Devin Singletary, I think it's going to be Cook 
um, probably in a tandem with Moss, but probably leading the way, which is all that I think we would really need for him to be pretty good for fantasy. Yeah, no Alan Lazard in this game, so that probably helped Romeo Dobbs. He's 58% rostered. He had seven targets. He had two big plays. One of them was in the end zone. This was after a zero catch game on four targets at Washington, and uh, it was nice to see him get going. He was only started in 10% of leagues. We'll talk about him on the waiver wire show. I can't just assume that Alan Lazard's going to be back <clears throat> this upcoming week. He had that shoulder injury, so we'll see. They're at Detroit this week. Uh, Schneier, what about you? Big takeaways from this game? Uh, Jacob stole my thunder a little bit on the James Cook thing, but I'm happy he did bring it up. Zach Moss, that's two weeks in a row without any snaps now. Cook has clearly moved ahead of him on the depth chart, and Cook displayed, in my mind at least, from just rewatching that game a little bit, some of the trademarks of his game from a trait standpoint that got me really excited about his film at uh, Georgia. Just the ability to press the line of scrimmage, have that like innate sense for where the cutback lane is, which is what something you know his brother. Dalvin does such an excellent job on and he's a really smooth mover in the open in the open field. So I think that if he did actually get an opportunity, if Singletary went down, he could be a potential high end RB two back end RB one. Uh, so that was one of my key takeaways. Another thing is don't panic on Gabe Davis. This is kind of the player he's going to be for us this year, this boomer bust type player, but you're not going to want to miss him in your lineup for the big weeks. And just understand that a big reason why he had such a bad day in fantasy was based on this the way that, the Packers played the Bills schematically. They wanted to keep everything in front of them. You can see, obviously, the Bills ran the ball way more often than they have in the past or than they even want to. This is not a team that wants to be a run-first team at all from a, from an offensive standpoint. And so, look, if you're taking away the deep play, it's going to be tough for Gabe Davis to have his big weeks. There will be weeks, though, where you can look into it beforehand, maybe, Adam, and be like, okay, this is the type of matchup you don't want to play, Davis. And that's something maybe we can do a better job uh, taking a deeper look into depending on what yeah I, I have taken a deeper look right? into it yeah. this was this was on paper the toughest matchup that Gabe Davis has in the next I'd say month the other okay. teams that he's gonna play are not as good in the secondary and you're also you know I, I I emailed you guys a stat from ESPN right about Jair Alexander Jair Alexander is one of the best cornerbacks in football and he was on Gabe Davis for 61 percent of Gabe Davis's routes he was barely on Stefan Diggs but Davis saw a lot of Jair Alexander, and he had four. Tar- he had seven targets for the game. He had four with Alexander targeting him, and he didn't catch any of them. Or sorry, uh, covering him as the nearest defender. So, I think that's that's the big thing here. Combined with twenty-five pass attempts for Allen, which is low. Combined with thirteen completions and just kind of a disappointing game for Josh Allen. One of the interceptions that he threw was to Gabe Davis at the one-yard right. line. So, um, yeah, I'm not panicking on Davis. Yes, he'll be a little inconsistent, but this was. This was a combination of a lot of things that went wrong for Gabe Davis. I think no, number one, Packers defense and and Jair Alexander specifically. Yeah. <clears throat> Aaron Jones looks like he's back. I mean, we're, we're, there's no way you're sitting Aaron Jones at this point. He's the no, no shot. They're running the offense, offense through him like they should have. Yeah. All year. Um. All right. I mean, I, that's pretty. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has scored 19 to 21 fantasy points in six of his last seven games. It's just where he lives. Yep. Uh, and that's pretty it. solid. Solid in that QB2 range these days. Yeah, you could do worse. Yeah. All right. We've got some merchandise if you want to buy some stuff. Uh, we help you dominate your league, hopefully. You can help us out by repping Fantasy Football today. Go to our merchandise store. Go to the CBS Sports store. T-shirts, mugs, sweatpants, hoodies, laser engraved pint glasses, hats, water bottles. All that stuff to remind your buddies of how you dominate your league. FFT sent you, basically. Uh, and we can get you 20% off. You go to the store. I'll tell you how to get there. But the code is FANTASYFOOTBALL20. Only for our listeners. FANTASYFOOTBALL20. Use that at checkout. Get 20% off your order. And basically, I think the I'll put a link in the episode description if I remember. Um, but if I don't, please just go to Google or Bing and type in CBS Sports, CBS Sports Store Fantasy Football Today. That's all you got to do. You'll find it. Buy some stuff. Fantasy football twenty for twenty percent off. Uses Bing. Oh, there's a lot of there's a lot of bingers out there. <laughs> there's I'm no so, shot. I was just watching. I was just watching Friends. I can't even believe that was the second search engine you went to. It was a Chandler episode, so I was just you know being. Nah, it, it was a joke, Dan. Uh, news and notes: Jonathan Jonathan Taylor twisted his ankle, so we got to check on him. There was just an update on it. We'll call him questionable right now. They're at New England, and Naeem Hines could be someone you want to get. Cooper Cup also hurt his ankle. That was late in the game, final minutes, and we'll go from there. Hopefully not a big deal. Uh, but for, for many of you, th- those could have been the top two picks in, in fantasy drafts. Taylor and Cup both uh, banged up. 
Jamar Chase not going on IR. Mark Ingram is going to miss several weeks with a sprained MCL. Irv Smith, high ankle sprain. <clears throat> Devontae Parker left on the opening possession, but not a serious injury. Could be back this week. Could be back maybe in two weeks. I think they have a bye in two weeks. Uh, Eagles defensive tackle Jordan Davis, high ankle sprain. Christian Watson, concussion. Packers linebacker Devontae, Cam- Devontae Campbell left in the second quarter. They also lost... Another starting linebacker who pushed one of the coaches last night. He got ejected. Uh, the Cardinals played without three starting offensive linemen. Uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Bill's safety, Jordan Poyer, left with an elbow injury, and he said he heard a pop. So that could be really devastating for them. They've already lost Micah Hyde for the season. I mean, that, that's a huge deal. And Poyer and Hyde both being out for extended times, that, that could be significant. They're at the Jets this week. Um, that's pretty much it. It was a, a pretty light week. Oh, Kadarius Tony's going to, seems like he's going to play this week. He's healthy. They got Tennessee coming off the bye and, uh, PJ Walker is going to start for the <clears throat> Carolina Panthers. Okay, guys, let's dig into the stats a little bit here. Jacob, where should we begin? Um, how about Kyle Pitts? Hey, Cup, it's uh, DJ Moore. Like we've got some some hope on some of these guys that uh, you know we were just in a pit of despair a couple weeks ago. Uh, Twenty seven routes run on thirty one dropbacks for Cal Pitts. Um, dominated the target share. Uh, weirdly, his air yardage was way down, but I think that's just a one one game thing. Um, but if we can get that you know route involvement rate up around eighty five percent where it was you know here like that is great. He's probably going to be a top five tight end um, if we can get that. You know, it's tough. But also, they dropped back 31 times, which is much better than what we'd seen the week prior. All they needed was a, almost a full overtime. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but, but yeah, and, and you know what? I think he's had an end zone target in three straight games, I think. And one of them may not have counted because he drew a penalty. But that is someone that Mariota's looking at in the end zone. Yeah. Uh, you can g- give me another one, Jacob. We'll go to Dan. Yeah. Dan'll get plenty of like Dan's. You know, we'll, Dan's got another tight end. Yeah, uh, Greg Dolchich <laughs> route involvement rate was up to ninety-one percent. Damn it! Yeah. You stole my Dolchich take. This is Adam's <laughs> fault. I had a chance here. I was going there next. I, I, I'll give you the credit though. You know what? This is on Adam. This is I on Adam take full is- responsibility. You should. Uh, so his route involvement rate hadn't been above eighty percent in any of his first two games, even though he'd been pretty productive. Um, so it's just exciting to see him running route on almost every single drop back, um, and he looks great. He looks really, really good. Yes. Um, and so he's he's exciting. I think he's legitimately probably somebody viewing as a top ten, top twelve tight end going forward. Um, and then if we want to stay in that game, Jerry Judy. Earlier in the year, Finally. I, kind of, yeah, early, I know earlier in the year I kind of conceded <laughs> that Adam, you know, maybe you were right on Carlos Sutton, <laughs> but things do not look good for Sutton lately. Um, and we now have almost 500 career routes run together with Sutton and Judy, and Judy's completely dominated. He has 178 PPR points in that split. Sutton has 91. Uh, he has 932 receiving yards to Sutton's 425. Um, and some people have replied and said, you know. He, he was hurt. A lot of those routes came last year when Sutton was in his first year coming off the ACL, which is fair. Um, but if you just look at the routes run together in 2022, um, Judy is out targeted him. He has 431 receiving yards to Sutton's 297. He has 90 PPR points to Sutton's 61. Um, he looks like the wide receiver one when they're both healthy. I don't know. I, it's really, it's a great debate. And Heath brought up, you know, that he's had two games where he's got twenty, you know, fewer than twenty yards, but he played fourteen percent of the snaps in one of them. He played fifty nine percent snaps in the other. So in the other six games, eighty four percent or more of the snaps, and he has just been mostly better than Cortland Sutton. Um, so you know that is something to consider. I, I, you know, I, I don't know. Like the first five games of the year, two of them he did get hurt. Sutton averaged. Oh, I just had this somewhere. Sutton. I had it's actually at the bottom of my notes here. Um, Sutton averaged uh, 83.4 yards and Judy averaged 47.2. Now, Judy was more like probably in the 70-ish range um, if you take away the games where he was hurt. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, like, shouldn't Russell Wilson be good enough to make both of them good? <laughs> right? Why does it have to be just one or the other? I guess is the the other thing I would I like, say you know. is I feel like Dolchich. I, I don't know how much tight end routes and targets necessarily affect the wide receiver target distribution, but Dolchich does run routes that are a little bit more similar to Sutton in terms of where he's right. going to be targeted. Um, yeah, but he has they, like seven targets or something. Well, he has okay. He had four targets in this game. No, he had five, and he had he has eight targets in two games with Russell Wilson. 
So I don't think that's why Sutton's struggling. Just, you know. Are you saying Sutton has eight targets? In no, I'm sorry. Sorry. Thank you for making me clarify. Dulcich has eight targets in two games with Russell Wilson. He had nine targets in the one game with Brett Rippon. But, yeah, all know. I'm saying is that the player he's replacing, like Albert O um, and Eric Saubert, like are running very short routes and drawing targets that are a little bit more similar to Judy, whereas Dolchitz are a lot more similar to Sutton. So who would you rather have rest of season, guys, Judy or Sutton? Judy for sure for me. Yeah, Judy for me as well. All right. All right, Dan, you're up. All right, a few more I want to throw out there. I want to start with the one that stood out the most to me, and that would be Rondell Moore, as he's kind of clearly taken over right now as that number two option with the Cardinals. We tossed back and forth a few weeks ago what DeAndre Hopkins' return might mean for Rondell Moore in that Arizona passing game. But ultimately, although the snaps where they do line up Hopkins in the slot is not good for Moore, when they have Hopkins on the outside, it's clearly a good thing for Rondell Moore. It takes away defensive attention, and it opens up the middle of the field for Rondell Moore, who's now had a 95% route participation over the last four games. Um, including two of those, obviously, with DeAndre Hopkins. He has eight, at least eight targets in three of those four games, so the volume is there, too, for him. And I just think, ultimately, while we were debating it back and forth for a little while, the addition of Hopkins is actually a really good thing for Rondell Moore, and he's someone who I can kind of trust as a back-end flex or back-end wide receiver three moving forward. Um, another player I wanted to bring up, potentially, or any any thoughts on that one? Yeah, it's all about the slot. I mean, that's just right. whether it's been Dorch or whether, whether it's been Rondell Moore. He barely played in the slot two weeks ago in a terrible game. But A.J. Green didn't play. A.J. Green played right. outside. Moore played in the slot in week eight. And, you know, look, he broke a tackle for a big play and scored a touchdown. But I think you're looking at something like five, six catches for 60-something yards, you know, maybe you know, like a 10 to, 10 to 13 PPR fantasy point kind of kind of player. And he's my number one waiver wire priority, I think, this week, if he's available in any leagues. That's I'm, you know, all he has to do is play the slot. It's been an extremely valuable. I say it so often. I'm sorry for repeating myself, but that's the main difference between week seven and week eight. Week seven, he, right. he was outside the entire game. Week eight, he played mostly in the slot, and that's where Kyler Murray's been throwing. Yep, yep. 100%. And average, depth of, average depth of target back down to 1.3 yards. Yeah. <laughs> It'll never reach those historic lows of his rookie season. I don't think he was in the negatives, right? Or as damn close to the negatives. Yeah. I mean, it hopefully won't ever reach that historic low. Dear but again, God, yeah. they, he ran 77 routes? Or he, he played 77 yeah. snaps in week eight. My goodness. So yeah, he, he did play a lot in the right. slot, but it wasn't as lopsided as I thought. It was 45 45 slot, 30 wide, and two backfield. Wow, that's a lot of plays they ran. <laughs> Can we yeah. talk about what DeAndre Hopkins is doing? Yeah. He's the he man. He has a 30% target share and a 50% <laughs> heritage share in each of the two games since he's been back, <laughs> which I didn't have the time to like see which players have done that, but I bet there's only a handful of players who have even done that in two or more games on Ever. the season. Yeah, um, And he's done it in both of his games since he's returned. It's the offense is running completely through him. Like his first down target per hour run rate is like 40 or 50%. Like he has a 58 yard or 58% area yard share since he's returned. Like, it, well, while we're on the subject, right? Marquise Brown might be what, roughly three weeks away from returning. So, what yeah. does that mean for these guys going forward? This is like top five fantasy receiver stuff from Hopkins. Like, I, yeah. And the production has been there. Like, he looks good like we've seen in his per route splits have been kind of troublesome the last few years but i think it maybe was that he's been hurt because he he looks pretty good right now that's what it is i think he's been playing hurt for a while now he's finally fully healthy again um and you're seeing what he's out there but the addition of brown like adams asked like what does that do for the offense i still think it will run through hopkins even once brown gets back i think hopkins and brown i'm sorry was kind of serving that role that hopkins is now playing because out of necessity the Cardinals didn't really have any other option. Now they feel comfortable, a lot more comfortable with Hopkins in. So I would think that it still would run through Hopkins. Okay. All right, Schneider, give me another. Okay, another interesting thing that stood out to me was Christian McCaffrey. Kind of, A lot of people were kind of skeptical. Oh, he gets traded to the 49ers. Before the trade, the 49ers only had 18 total receptions on the year to running backs. That was scary looking. They had used multiple backs in the past, but... It's that the it, it was pretty obvious when they made a trade with all that draft capital, they weren't going to trade for him to sit on the bench. And this is one of the best coaches in the NFL. He was going to find a role for him. So he played 81% of the snaps. 
He had 79% of the attempts, a wild 72% route participation number that stood out to me with a 35% target share. Now, obviously, Debo Samuel is out, so we have to consider that, and that could change. I don't expect him to have a 35% target share every game, but anywhere close to those numbers is going to be big for him. 100% of the short yardage plays he was in on and 100% of the inside the 10-yard line plays he was in on. So I think what I'm seeing from McCaffrey now is he's most likely going to be my, my number one player overall going forward. Um, I really like the fit. I really like the coaching staff. I really like that he's in on all these plays and they're actually finding ways to immediately get him involved in an offense that he just picked up two weeks ago. And I think it's going to be an interesting offense because I think Debo, Kittle, and Ayuk are going to frustrate the heck out of you. Um, and especially Debo because just because of his name, you're never going to want to sit him. Right. And I look, I could be totally wrong about this, but it's just my guess. It's, it's like a better version of the Steelers. Uh, the Steelers spread it around. They've got three wide receivers and a tight end who's involved and then a running back who's kind of involved in the passing game as well. Uh, it's, it's similar. It's two wide receivers and a tight end and a running back who's much more involved in the passing game for the 49ers. But I don't think if they're all healthy, I, McCaffrey to me is the only one who's going to be consistently good. Um, I don't know. And honestly, like Debo hasn't really been consistently good right. all, this year. He's been consistently fine, but he's hasn't come even close to last year's production. So I'm nervous. You know, McCaffrey's I think McCaffrey's the center of the offense now. Debo used to be. But I completely agree. Right? We don't know. I mean, look, he, like you said, Debo didn't play. Maybe maybe McCaffrey, maybe this is the best McCaffrey's going to be. Maybe he's 80% of this with Debo, well, not for eight, not 80% of 40 fantasy points, but 80% of this type <laughs> yeah. of usage with Debo Samuel. I don't know, but you you're on you're kind of where I'm leaning, Dan. I'm definitely leaning toward that being him being the most consistent player within this offense. I still think you're going to, like you said, want to start these guys week to week, but I was expecting like a huge Kittle week this week, for example. I thought it set up really nicely for Kittle to have a huge week, and he just didn't, and we're just going well, to see. He caught a touchdown. He did catch a touchdown, but I was thinking like big, big, big week. But, yeah, a tough um, matchup. You know, I don't know yeah, if you saw my tweet. Oh, two tight ends over the last 18 games have caught a touchdown against the Rams, and they are both George Kittle. Yeah, well, there you go. That's a great stat. I did <laughs> yeah. not see that stat. Not even just the matchup. I just felt like it was good a good setup without Debo. But uh, as, as we noticed, you know, a lot of those targets went through McCaffrey instead. And I want to talk about Garoppolo because he's done something that he's never done before. He's thrown two touchdown passes in four straight games for the first time in his career. He scored. He had never scored 20 or more fantasy points in three straight games in six-point-per-passing touchdown leagues. Now he's done it four straight times. Um He's got a, uh, they got a bye this week? Yeah, they have a bye this week. Chargers, Cardinals, Saints, Dolphins. It's not like a bad schedule or anything. He's, I'm guessing, going to be what he has been so far. He's a top 16 quarterback. He's 16th per game in four point, 15th in six point per passing touchdown leagues. Never, almost never has a big three touchdown, 30 point week. You just don't get that from Garoppolo. It's kind of yeah. like Aaron Rodgers, though. Right around mm-hmm. 20 fantasy points. So good for him. Um, I will say this about Garoppolo. I got to throw a little shade. Last night, this was a great stat courtesy of Ben Solak. I was just such a good stat. I have to throw it out there. Um, he completed his first pass ever, Adam and Jacob. That was 30 plus yards air yards. He's, ne- air. I mean, he's never outside a, the numbers. He's never a good quarterback. Second game <laughs> as a 49er. That's a That's incredible. Um, <laughs> but he's he's never like he's never. It's not about, oh, he's so good. No, it's I just know. he's never had this type of weaponry. True. So it's, with a, with a healthy Debo, I mean, is this the best set of weapons in the NFL, potentially? With Jamar Could Chase be. out, yeah. Yeah, with Chase out, right, yeah. Right, I don't know, maybe I'm missing some. Eagle, Eagles have something to say for that, I guess. Maybe. Yeah. I think I'd rather have this group than, than the Eagles, just based on McCaffrey alone. I know you guys have a lot more stats you probably want to get to. Jacob? <laughs> or no? Um, I will say, like, Indy, I think Dan hit on this two weeks ago. They went to this, like, no huddle, you know, much faster pace of play, a ton of shotgun, and I think that was just they were trying to, like, save things with Matt Ryan. <laughs> uh, they, completely, they, went, they completely went away from that. Yeah. Um, and the, the big change is that Ellinger, if he's going to continue to be the starting quarterback, he just throws downfield way more, and he takes way longer to throw. His average time to throw is three seconds. That's basically what we saw from identically at Texas as well um, and in the preseason. And that's going to be like one of the top five rates in the NFL. Um, and that definitely stands to benefit Alec Pierce. Um, the other two guys, Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell, have been used really on on short routage um, type of looks. And I thought that, that might change for Pittman with Ellinger at QB, but it didn't. Um, so 
it's I don't know if it's a great fit for those guys, but it does look good for Pierce. I try not to take too much out of you know just one game, his first game. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I mean, we were talked about Wandale Robinson, his first game, he had those four targets. That was two <clears> weeks, <throat> three weeks ago, whatever, and he had a you know good route depth and a dot and whatever, and then it completely changed the next week. So we'll be monitoring Indianapolis. I just think it's a bad, it's bad for everyone. I think, but um, I think you know, Heath agrees because they just threw the ball a lot less. <clears throat> Pittman had a forty percent target share. That's probably not going to happen again. Um, all right, here's some other things real quick. Uh, Tyler Conklin had four end zone targets. That was the most in the NFL in Week Eight. Terrace Marshall had three. AJ Brown had three. Marshall's interesting from a deep league perspective. Uh, Tyler Higby, guys, I don't know what you make of this. He is not running nearly as many routes. The last two weeks, he has run 20 routes and 14 routes. The two weeks before that, he ran 47 and 37. Uh, so He left the game with an injury. But he played um, 49 snaps. Like He played yeah. a, a lot. And his target you, per route run rate was, was like 36% a season high, but that's because he wasn't running very many routes. So I don't know what's going on with Higby two weeks in a row. They also use a lot of three receiver sets. But yeah, I think that maybe they're just using him more as a blocker. I haven't looked into that yet. All right, we'll, we'll try to keep an eye on that. Ty Johnson was the third down back for the Jets. I mean, Michael Carter still yeah. had seven targets, but that's not a good situation right now. Um, <clears throat> Robbie Anderson only played seven snaps. AJ Green played 37 snaps. Good trade. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know, Jacob, you're going to like this one. Antonio Gibson had four carries and six targets on first down. Brian Robinson had three carries and zero targets on first down. So it was a little bit flipped. Like last uh, week seven, Robinson was a little more involved on first down, but week eight it was Gibson by a mile. That's interesting. So something to keep an eye on there, trending in that direction there for Gibson. And that's pretty much it. And good, good games for Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, and neither of them played uh, 75%. Neither of them played 70% of the snaps. They both were a little bit limited, and they came through, and Geno Smith was good. I will say um, Tampa Bay is just like this. Maybe you already talked about this Thursday night game, but Tampa Bay is throwing way more over these last two games. We've seen it back-to-back games where they've thrown on 70-plus percent of their first downs, um, whereas the only game that had happened prior was that game against Kansas City where they completely abandoned the run. But their other games, the rates were 36%, 24%, 66 64 and 48 um, it's been 78 and 73 percent the last two games, so it seems like maybe they're going away from Fournette and the slow play a little bit and opening things up. Um, Brady has not looked good; he's not played well. But if we get this type of volume for Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, um, those two are third and fourth in targets, just raw targets over the past two weeks. Um, th- those guys are studs. They're going to be like that's kind of been the problem for Evans like up to this point is like, they're just not passing enough, but the offense is kind of more concentrated on them and they're passing more. And so like the framework is there for them to really, if Brady plays better, if Tampa Bay figures things out at all, like to really explode in the second half. I think they got to run the ball more. I don't know why they went away from it. It's like, I know Fournette's not good per carry, but I thought on the first drive of the game on Thursday that they ran the ball pretty effectively. And I Mm -hmm. think you're getting too many third and longs i'd have to look into that but like they're just too predictable and they have bad offensive line and an immobile quarterback it's it's kind of like matt ryan it's like i don't know i i, I don't know why they abandoned the, i know why they abandoned the run against the chiefs i don't know why they did it on thir- who do they play on thursday i forget baltimore baltimore, baltimore. I, I don't know why they abandoned the run against the ravens and uh I'm, yeah, i don't either i uh, still don't i mean i'm still not entirely convinced that godwin is himself he he had that catch early in the game where he had some some nice burst after the catch made it. It looks pretty yep. fast, but I don't know, man. He should be doing a lot better than this. He's so inefficient right now. Just makes you wonder. Part of it is his average depth of target is like three yards. Yeah, right. And why? And his route depth is down too. And that's why yeah. I'm wondering: is he the same? Is he the same guy? Or I have no way of answering that. Yeah. But couple couple other quick notes I want to throw out there, specifically some good positive signs coming from the Jaguars offense. Travis Etienne on the field for 57 of the 72 total, total snaps. He ran almost every single route except for two. Finished with 27 touches. Um, yeah, Hasty was kind of the RB2 over Connor. I know there's a lot of you know, suggestions on who they who you should stash of those two. I still think you should stash Hasty based on injury, but 
we're seeing what a lot of people got hyped about in the preseason when it comes to ETN. The Jaguars are actually committing to him in a bell cow road. This is bell cow role, I should say. This is something we don't see from a lot of backs in the NFL. Those kind of that kind of snap share, that kind of route uh, participation, and then the overall touches. So I think ETN has a real shot to be a top ten, top twelve type of running back for sure over the rest of the season. Take Taylor someone, or ETN, Jonathan Taylor. Oh mm-hmm. man. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm thinking about it. We're at the point where I'm thinking about it because yeah. the Colts offense is so ineffective and I, and you know, I, and now Taylor's playing through another ankle injury. So I don't know. I have to think about that. I think I might actually lean ETN, which is crazy to even consider. Um, no, it's not. I mean, I'll take ETN. Yeah, I would, I would take Taylor. I'm worried about ETN handling 24 rushing attempts. Just in the o- game. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Just like the longevity factor of it, Jacob. I wish that they would, yeah, get him out in space more, get him more targets. Did you, I, I have him with 20 routes run on 35 dropbacks. Okay, I actually have 23 of 35. So that stat okay. was actually er- off earlier. I might have, and I might, we might have had a wow, little bit. Wow, I should have just sent it. I should have just thrown it to Jacob. <laughs> well, what did I say? I saw. I read it as thirty-three of thirty-five, but it was twenty-three of thirty-five. Um, still a really high route participation, though. All right, uh, can we take a break? Or do you have one more? Uh, the only other one I wanted to say was Evan Ingram ran a hundred percent of the routes for the Jaguars. He is now officially running every route for them. He is somebody who I think is, if you're not going to get Dolchich this week on the waiver wire, if he's gone, I would try to get Evan Ingram as kind of your back end tight end. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll check in on our Halloween poll. I will ask you a Halloween costume question. We'll talk about some other scary things like DeAndre Swift's workload and the Raiders offense. We'll be right back on Fantasy Football Today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, welcome back to Beyond the Box Score here, and this is what we really want to talk about. What do you do with leftover Halloween candy? One, eat it later. Two, bring it to work. Three, throw it away. Or four, what leftover candy? <laughs> Which is in second place. Uh, what do you do? Yeah, eat it later, right? I mean, eat it later is running away with it. 54% of the vote here. Yeah, who's throwing it out? That's like the worst possible option, just <laughs> chucking it in the garbage. And unless, you know, I understand if you need to throw it out because you don't have any self-discipline like me sitting right here, as I can openly admit to being one of these people, and you just know you're going to eat it, you're going to snack on it, you're going to keep eating, you're going to have like 11 pieces in a, in one sitting in a night, go ahead, maybe throw it out. But I feel like if you, as long as you're still going into your job these days and you're actually not working from home, <laughs> take it into work, give it out. I don't know, maybe leave it on your port, uh, on your uh, front steps as like the, as the uh, basket. I actually saw a video adam today that i thought you would appreciate of someone's home camera video where you know the people who put out like a yeah. bucket of and they're just like take one please yeah well it's actually some little little kid who's like a a little menace and he dennis the menace type who took the whole thing and just dumped it dumped it full out into his bag oh. and, and then he like, finished it off by uh flipping the bird so it's just <laughs> incredible video uh yeah i look the, the answer for me would honestly be eat it later and then throw it out i'm not gonna finish it like we have yeah. to throw out some of it because, you know, the kid, I can't give all that to my kids. I can't do it to myself. <laughs> but I will eat, you know, I will eat uh, for a few days. I'm eating, I'm eating Halloween candy for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, Jacob, how about you? What's, uh, what's your Halloween, your Halloween <laughs> uh, tradition? <laughs> uh, eat it later. But my Halloween tradition is I, I like to party on Halloween. I like to find. Oh, you know, wow. I, I just love seeing everybody's costumes. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's fun to, get in a group setting and just like see all the creativity. What are you doing? It's one of my uh, favorite. What'd you do, favorite. Jacob? Um, we actually weren't able to go. So I'm actually really bummed about it because we just oh. got a new place and uh, we've just been super busy and uh, yeah, didn't, didn't get to do anything big this year, but. All right. So, so then let me talk to you about costumes. If you like people's costumes. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, dress up 
Um, <laughs> but I'm wearing the shirt right now. And I'm just going to get you some images because you guys have never seen Revenge of the Nerds, right? No. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so here's some images of, of Lewis Skolnick from Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> and like, I don't have like a plaid, you know, short sleeve button down, but I do, I do have this shirt. Okay. And it has, it's, it's a Lambda, it's a Lambda, Lambda, Lambda shirt, which is their fraternity. Okay. Now Whoa. they don't wear this t-shirt, but it's got their logo on it. So it's a little obscure because people younger than me are probably not going to know it, but <laughs> right. I've got, I'm going to tuck it. I'm going to tuck my shirt into, actually I have a picture that I took. Perfect. <laughs> I'm going to tuck my shirt into my pants. I've got socks that go like halfway between my ankles and my knees. Actually, I have shorts. Tuck my shirt into my shorts. I'm going to do a side part. I don't know if you can see. <laughs> I'm going to be just you know, a nerd, basically. But I've Post got the, the so Lambda. You're just going to be yourself. Yeah, but a little nerdier. I'm gonna, so I got the Lambda, Lambda, Lambda shirt on, and hopefully hopefully people will get it. Otherwise, it's going to be a terrible costume. But they also, he also goes, <laughs> he does this laugh oh, like no. that. So I'm going to break that out. So. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to it. All right, let's get to our five big topics uh, from bada bing, bada boom. DeAndre Swift, will his workload improve? I would certainly hope so. He had five carries and five catches. Jacob, what do you think? I mean, week one, he had 15 carries and and three catches. I don't know if he's been healthy since then. What do you think about uh, Swift's workload? He was at least out there. Um, He had 51% snap rate, uh, 54% route involvement rate. Um, And he was out there in the red zone as well. He had 50% uh, red zone snap rate compared to 38% for Williams. But Williams got three touches. Swift um, had a touchdown catch, but didn't have any rushing attempts in the red zone. Um, So, like, they weren't limiting him too much. And I think going forward, we'll see the rushing attempts be there. But it might be more of a split than we anticipated going into the year. Which maybe that's fine. Like, as long as he's involved in the receiving game and, like, the offense is flowing... And they're keeping him healthy. Like I don't know. Yeah, Dan, what do you think about the workload for so, Swift? He can't. He can't survive on ten touches, which is two no, straight games for him. He can't survive, especially you know if the game, with this defense the Lions have right now, and it's only going to get worse in my mind. At least it's not getting any better. It's hard to rely on them for you know a run heavy game uh, game script at any point. But I just feel like if I'm the Lions, why am I? divvying up this workload all swift when I know that Jamal Williams is capable back. He may not be as explosive. He may not be as efficient, but he's a capable back. And if I don't give Swift all those touches, maybe Swift won't keep getting injured because throughout his entire career with the Lions, that's kind of the elephant in the room. He's been injured a lot, and maybe they feel like if they give him a larger workload, that's why he keeps getting injured, and they need to manage him for that uh, for that standpoint. So I don't think they're going to all of a sudden turn this into a bell cow situation like we see with Travis ETN in Jacksonville. Although, as Jacob mentioned, maybe we should pull the, you know, put, put a halt to the ETN hype because if he, he could get hurt if he continues at this rate. But I mean, I don't see it. I don't see it changing anytime soon from the coaching standpoint. There's no real incentive in my mind to, to put him on the field when he's proven that he gets injured with the bigger workloads. I mean, bigger workload is one thing, but five carries in his last three oh, games, yeah. he has five, seven and five carries. Right. And some of that's been, sure. you know, it, it's all been health. I, I don't know exactly about this week, I guess. But, um, you know, there's no there's no reason why Jamal Williams should have twice as many carries as Swift. How many how many touches does he need to be a must start guy? That's a that's the question right there. That's a really good question. 12, I would say 15. I mean, he's so efficient. 15, 15, if at least half are through the passing game or at least 40 percent right. through the passing game. Yeah. And and he'll you know, he's got let's see what he's got five. He's got 13 catches in four games, and that's with leaving a couple of them early or not playing right. full snap shares. So um, I, it's really a tough one. I guess I'll ask you guys, would you rather how would you rank Jonathan Taylor? DeAndre Swift, Ramondre Stevenson. Taylor Swift, Stevenson. I will probably go. Wow, that's tough. That is tough. That's a good question. I think I would go Taylor Stevenson, Swift. That's what I was going to say, too. I've got rest of season rankings coming out, and I think schedule will have something to do with it when it comes to ones of this close. But Okay. It's, It's tough with Stevenson or with Swift right now. All right, here's a question from Daniel. I'd love to hear your discussion discussion of the state of the running back and wide receiver positions. Preseason, everyone said wide receiver was so deep, but it seems like there are more high-end running backs at this point than receivers. I find myself always flexing a running back because I have so many good ones. 
Uh, Dan, what do you think? I think he's onto something. The state of the NFL, if you just look at the state of the NFL, and obviously it changed a little bit this week with scoring up slightly, or not slightly, a good chunk versus the rest of the season. But if defenses are going to continue to play this style of defense, keep everything in front of you, two safeties high, very few middle of the field close looks. And I mean, some defenses are still running middle field close with one high safety and pressuring. Like there's like four or five, six that I can think of, but the rest of the league is doing is has a similar strategy to how to stop an offense and don't give up explosive plays. And so that means running backs will be way more useful, even just in check in the check down passing game um, where they can also be an asset when you're facing that kind of defense. So, I don't know. I think it look the NFL cyclical thing, things change a lot, but with where the passing games are at across the league and part of it again is like what are we seeing? We're seeing some of the best quarterbacks in the league not playing at a high level, Tom mm-hmm. Brady, and like some of the names that we've had through years that we've been able to count on to put up big passing game numbers and that boosts up extra receivers who are startable or not playing at that kind of level right now. So I think Right now, he's definitely on to something. I mean, it's hard to make such a proclamation already, just eight weeks into this year, but it feels like the running backs have more value than they have ever had before. Yeah, I uh, the NFL, the last five years are, are the five highest yards per carry seasons, I think, in NFL history. And I think that's wow. I, that doesn't separate running back versus quarterback. I think that has a lot to do with quarterbacks rushing more. But it also has to do with the running backs, right? Because their teams are in back in the old days, it was a very run hurt, run first heavy game plan over and over. So it was easier to stop the run when it's coming so often. Yeah, maybe. Um, I just, I mean, I think I did it right. You, you go to pro football reference, yeah. you go to NFL season game team averages, you sort by yards per attempt. And 2022 is the highest yards per attempt in NFL history. 4.5 yards per attempt. Uh, 2020 is number two at 4.4, but, um, Here's what I thought was interesting, though. I, I said this on the Thursday podcast, I believe. I use a number 14 PPR fantasy points for wide receivers as start-worthy because usually that's the borderline 2-3. Like, you know, I think last year there were about 27 wide receivers. I'll tell you right now. There were, yeah, there were 27 wide receivers last year who scored 14 or more people who averaged 14 PPR fantasy points per game. 29 the year before that, 27 the year before that. So that's where you're on the cusp of being a start-worthy wide receiver. So I just thought, how many... 14 point averages do we have so far? We have 18 running backs, which is actually lower. It's been last five years 19, 20, 20, 20, and 18 running backs averaging 14 PPR fantasy points, a little bit lower. Uh, no Jonathan Taylor in there, no Ken Walker yet, no Travis Etienne. That'll change a little bit. Um, but only 23 wide receivers are averaging that, and that's the fewest since 2018. Last five years, it's been 23, 27, 29, 27. Now 23 wide receivers averaging 14 or more PPR fantasy points per game. Um, yeah, that could change. There are obviously some guys that are not that could get in there, but there are probably some guys who are currently that could fall out of that. But wide receivers worse. It's just wide receivers worse this year. I don't know if running back is better. It feels better, but. I'm not I based on that stat I gave it actually isn't but it does feel better you know they've been pretty healthy this year knock on wood and then you've gotten these first and second year guys who are emerging and yeah I don't, I don't know Jacob what's your thought on running back and, and wide receiver I guess um what I looked at was the snap rate to the running back position so in the first four weeks um I just used 70 percent it's a sort of arbitrary perimeter but that's where I used to cut off um the number of running backs that were hitting that rate and in the first four weeks, it was not higher than 10 in any given week. The average was 9.2 running backs were playing at least 70% of the snaps over the last four. It's been nine or higher every single week. Um, we've had 12, 15, 11 in the past three weeks. Um, and so we're just seeing more running backs getting more of like a bell cut role. We're seeing these Travis Etienne's or Madre Stevenson's even, you know, Benjamin for a few weeks, you know what I mean? Like those types of guys are stepping into, a bell cut role where previously there might have been some sort of a split. Um, and I think that's the biggest difference outside of just really bad quarterback play. Like we've already hit on like Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, all these guys are playing much worse than we're yeah, that's accustomed huge. to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it is, it's, I, I track the snap rates, route involvement rates at running back a tight end every single week. Um, and so like, I've just noticed more and more running backs basically that tweet I can normally fit in one tweet easily. And hmm. I keep having to make it two. And I'm like, what's going on? And is this, there's just more running backs playing more, and that's good for fantasy. Yeah, all right. Let's go to our third topic here from RC3. Dak Prescott will never be a 300-yard passer, and pass interference needs to change to 15 yards. 
<laughs> I have so many thoughts on pass interference. It's it's the worst part of football. It is so poorly officiated. Um, I'm I hate the underthrown ball that leads to a pass interference. It's rewarding bad quarterback play, and of course it needs to be 15 yards. Of course it does. The NFL is so dumb about pass interference. They could they 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 tried to review it. They were too dumb to review it properly. They got rid of it. Like give me a break. Pass interference is the is the best sport in the world. It's my favorite. I love the NFL. Pass interference is the worst part of the NFL, other than injuries. Okay, now the other thing. Is Dak Prescott will never be a 300-yard passer? What do you think about that, Dan Schneier? Which one about the pass interference or the? Or the I don't care. What, if you disagree with me on pass interference, I don't. <laughs> I don't want to hear it because I will snap at you, and nobody wants that. <laughs> what makes you think I don't want that snap? That's exactly what I do want. You should have not said that. Now I want to say everything that will make you snap, but I'll be nice and I won't lead to the snap. No, you can wait. Whatever, you wait. Whatever you like. Dak Prescott no. pass interference. It's the underthrown ball. It drives me crazy. Quarterback makes a terrible pass. Cornerback is trailing the receiver. Receiver on the underthrown ball has to jump into the cornerback. The cornerback has no choice. He has no clue what to do. He, here's nothing he can do. He's running at 20 miles per hour one way. What is he supposed to do? And he gets called for pass interference and is a spot foul. Awful. Awful. Yeah, you actually saw one of the most heady plays by a corner that I've never really seen this this week with Julian Love when Tyler Lockett yes. beat him in the end zone. And Love was trailing, and instead of just doing what all these other corners do, try to make a play on the ball, they can't get their head around, it's an auto flag. He just kind of waves his arms in the air and gets out of the way. Yeah, <laughs> it's like It was an amazingly heady play. Um, but you're right, it is something that should be officiated a bit differently. The problem with the spot with the 15-yarder for me, Adam, is there are some times where a cornerback yeah. is beat and just, tackles the guy that's a spot that's foul a touchdown that's that a spot deserve. foul that, that's oh, fine so you wanted to be subjective yeah there's a, it's like remember when you said the five yard and the 15 yard face mask okay and when you have the egregious intentional pass interference that's a personal foul that's a spot foul otherwise it's a 15 yard penalty Oh, man, I have such a problem with the idea of making this game even more subjective for these horrific referees that are just like terrible across <laughs> no, the league. Fine. I'm sure it's a very hard job to do. That is, is a tough play to officiate, but it's a bad rule. Yeah, it Jacob's is just Jacob's just like it, sipping a mai tai over there, just taking it all in. As far as the <laughs> Dak comment, I think there's some va- some validity to it because when Dak was tossing these 300 plus yard games at a consistent pace before this injury uh, a few years ago, it had a lot to do with the Dallas Cowboys defense playing at a very very poor level. They were one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Now they're arguably the best, if not one of the best defenses in the NFL. So that does change game script, and it does lead to situations where the Cowboys are not going to be as pass-heavy, and they're going to want to lean on the run game more often because um, they don't need to be as pass-heavy. So I think there is definitely some validity there, especially when you take Amari Cooper off the field and try to replace him with like the Michael Gallops of the world. Jacob, one thing that, that bothers me from a Dak Prescott perspective, they've got nine games left after their bye. Seven of those nine games, you know, why don't we remove week week 18, right? So they have eight games left, fantasy season. Six of those eight games are against teams that are 20th or worse in scoring. So yeah. they have a schedule that's good for the running backs and bad for Dak Prescott. When you get too wrapped up in schedule, it could certainly let you down. Like, I didn't think that he would score 29 points against the Bears. But to be fair, he did it on 27 pass attempts, right? So he's... He's thrown 29, 25, and 27 pass attempts in three games. They have arguably the best defense in football, and they have a very favorable schedule from a defensive standpoint. They're facing the Vikings. They're facing the Eagles, and I don't see another team that's definitely going to put up points against them. So, you know, what do you think? Is Dak um, a safe start, or would you try to maybe sell him after this performance, Jacob? I think I would try to sell him. I think the points you make up are both you guys made about um, the defense are are good. Great. And it's great. Even. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's just a volume issue. Um, and you know, I, if it's not going to improve, then like he is going to have to be hyper efficient. Like he was this week to be a top 10, top 12 guy going forward, um, from a projection standpoint. Cause it, I, I don't like the pieces that he's throwing to either. Dalton Schultz is like finally starting to look healthy, but like we can't get a ceiling game from CD lamb, no matter what the circumstances that's been so frustrating. Um, because his underlying volume is so good. And like Jalen Tolbert can get on the field and there's just no one else. Like Michael Gallup is not it. Yeah. I'll say this about the Dak situation. The one thing to keep an eye on is they were very, very hesitant when he came back from the injury originally um, from the ankle injury to run him and use him like they used him in the past as a rusher, as a threat, as a runner. Then this past week during the week, Jerry Jones, Cowboys owner, who 
<laughs> the only owner in the NFL, he's the only combo of anyone who has any power in the NFL who gives away game plans just to the media. It just says things that end up happening. So he, <laughs> it's wild. It's just crazy. You never see it with any of these other guys, but he basically said, we're going to want to use Dak more as a runner this week. And that's going to be something we work into the game plan. And he followed through on it. Dak actually, I think, had 33 yard rushing an extra 3.3 fantasy points, which helps a lot to build a floor and really add to a ceiling potential as well. Um, so if that continues going forward and they kind of take the training wheels off and they just say, look, we can't worry about him getting re-injured. We just have to use him, his skill set to the best of our abilities. That could boost his floor at least a little more. Yeah. Jerry Jones is so funny. I mean, yeah. you really can take him at his word. He yeah. just gives away insider information yeah. all the time. Crazy. All right. Uh, Jade Richardson says, what happened to the Raiders and partially Josh Jacobs? The Raiders got shut out, guys, at New Orleans. Two fantasy <laughs> points for Derek Carr. Josh Jacobs uh, had 43 rushing, 11 receiving yards, two catches, 10 carries. They were they didn't get past midfield until late in the fourth quarter, and that was with the starters out. Uh, Jacob, what happened to the Raiders? Uh, one thing I noticed was Derek Carr was pressured a lot. He was pressured on 41% of his dropbacks, and um, I've actually liked attacking the Saints' defense because they're just not getting pressure at all, um, and nothing changed from the Saints schematically. They only blitzed 17% of the time, which is right in line with their season average. Um, and, yeah, they had the fifth lowest pressure rate entering Week 7, but that didn't stop the Raiders, um, and so that was a huge problem. Um they, if you, I wouldn't worry about the usage for Josh Jacobs. He played 79% of the snaps in the first half. He had a 69% route involvement rate in the first half, which is elite. Like last week, only four running backs were above um, 61%. Um, so I think with better game scripts, he'll be fine. Um, and then, yeah, Devontae, he had an illness coming in. He also didn't play in the fourth quarter. Um, obviously, it was bad before that, but I think that did affect things. You got a theory there, Mr. Schneier? Um, I wouldn't say I have any kind of theory on this. I think I think Jacob laid out the points perfectly, at least as far as how I feel on this situation. Um, I do have something that caught my attention that I wanted to bring up, a little bit of breaking news, thanks to Thomas Schaefer. Oh, come producer. on. You're, I have a great Raiders theory. You can't just railroad my great <laughs> okay. Raiders theory. I don't want to railroad your Raiders theory. I forgot. You did mention at the top I of the did. show you yeah, have a great, great Raiders theory. All right, let's not talk about the breaking news. Let's get to Adam's great breaking news. news. Waiver wire fodder Rashad Bateman is going to miss several weeks. <laughs> Uh, no, it is big news, obviously. So well, also, Mark Andrews should be okay. That's Mark Andrews is is kind of like a day-to-day -day situation. He's not too beat up. Um, yeah, Rashad Bateman's going to miss some time. Uh, well, let's not bury the lead. Let's get to this theory. Yeah, there was one other news item that came across. All right, fine. I, the, here's my theory about the Raiders. They had the flu. <laughs> they, they, they did. They had four guys, including Devontae Adams, who missed practice during the week with an illness. I think they said it was going around. Adams, oh. I think, was just not himself. He had obviously a terrible game. Darren Waller didn't play. Um, Adams had one catch for three yards on five targets. He was being covered by first and second year wide receivers, uh, Alante, Taylor, Alante Taylor and Paulson Adebo, and I thought they did an excellent job on him. I watched. Uh, I watched every throw from Derek Carr, and you know, I'm, I'm like he's just he's the best route runner in the world. Basically, he gets open all the time, and he just didn't seem like he was himself. So now you're talking about very little. Uh, Devontae Adams, no Darren Waller. Um, and yeah, and, and the pressure got to him as well. So a really off day from them. But um, this was their <laughs> this was their flu game. Except it's it possible. wasn't it wasn't a good flu game. But at the, say, at the very yeah. least, we know that Devontae Adams was sick basically all week. So I, I think it's possible that he just wasn't himself. I'll say this too about the Raiders as far as rest of season and full season. If you look at the numbers and unpack them, Derek Carr on targets 20 plus yards on the field has been Awful. As bad as he was before he took a big step. I felt like under Gruden, he took a really big step on film as a passer. He was the check down king before Gruden got there. And he started to really uh, utilize the, the intermediate and deep areas of the field under Gruden. And he really felt comfortable within that system. He grew within that system. Now brand new system with McDaniels. And he's regressed back to this, this player who needs to check down a lot. He's not connecting on passes 20 plus yards down the field. Um, super inefficient in the in the intermediate and deep areas of the field. And so I honestly feel like the, the, the system change more so than anything has really hurt the Raiders pass game. Jacob, topic number five is DJ Moore, a must-start wide receiver. This one's from Bango. As long as PJ Walker is at quarterback, is DJ Moore a must-start wide receiver? Hell yeah. He's wide receiver eight since week eight. He has a 36% target share wow. since that time. That's third. Since um, week seven? In the NFL. 
58. Well, since uh, no, week, week six, last week two six. weeks. Okay. Oh, you said week yeah. eight. So that- uh, he wide receiver eight since week six, my bad. Okay. Um, 58% air out of chair during that time. That's first. Um, so like that clearly profiles as a must start player and is backed by super exciting underlying data too. Um, 48% first down target share. So 48% of Carolina's total targets coming on first down, whether he's on the field or not, have gone to DJ Moore over the past three games. They're really being intentional about getting in the ball. Um, they're running more slants and screens and just short yardage, and they're getting involved in the slot more. Um, and that's what they did in week six and seven. And then week eight, uh, they just moved him back to his normal role and still kept targeting him on 30% of his routes. And the result was 251 air yards, which is only been topped by Chris Alave this year. Um, it's, I think, the sixth highest uh, since the start of 2021 in a single game. So that's all really exciting. I, I, I don't know if PJ Walker is going to keep playing this well. That throw he made was insane. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he also missed but, DJ Moore wide open on a yeah. deep ball. He Just was up and down. Him. Yeah. I just, I'm so glad to see this because, like, yeah, I don't know. Earlier in the year, there was some conjecture on like, is DJ more the guy we thought he is? And it's like, yes, he is. <laughs> he is like, he's a stud. And like, now we have validation that like, he is a stud. He can't do it. It's not like he got some huge quarterback upgrade. He just right. didn't have to play with Baker or Sam Darnold. Yeah. yeah. I questioned his route running several weeks ago, <laughs> but yeah. uh, he was open a lot in this game. And he completely, he had a 29 catch, a 29 yard catch and run where he just schooled this cornerback, Cornell Armstrong. Now, a couple things here. Not only did the Falcons give up the most fantasy points to wide receivers, but they were very beat up in the secondary. Uh, so it w- that's basically as good of a matchup as you're going to get. And they get them again in two weeks, but Cincinnati is much better against wide receivers. Baltimore is kind of hit or miss. Denver is a nightmare matchup. And then you have a bye. Seattle is pretty good against wide receivers. They've got a good young secondary. So the matchups are going to get tougher. Um, but I can't really argue with him being a must-star because his target share is so high and... And he's good, and and I just we just talked about how weak wide receiver is compared to previous seasons. Dan, what do you think? Final word. I would say it's a buy situation as well. You can buy here um, for as long as Walker's the quarterback, and I think that's going to last for a little while now. They said already named him as starter for this week. Um, Baker, the Baker Mayfield experiment. They have nothing tied to Baker. They didn't draft Baker, so I don't think there's any real push to get him back in. And they're a more competitive team with BJ Walker. So yeah. All right. Happy Halloween, guys. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Happy Halloween. Okay. I got to be a little more festive next year, Adam. I got to go to a party. I got to dress up. I got to do something. You think so? Yeah. I think after going on all these shows for the last two weeks and hearing how excited people like you are getting about Halloween, and Jacob said it was his favorite holiday of the year. It was a bold take to, to, to call <laughs> Halloween your favorite holiday of the year. So now I feel like I got to step it up a little bit. Huh, look at this guy. This guy's coming in here and just trashing us in the chat. Oh no! Hates our show. Oh god! Yeah, it just hates us. Daniel, what's going on here, Daniel? Why you hate us so much? I've got a set on Derek Carr. Um, I looked up his off-target rate on throws that came deep, fifteen or more yards, because um, I was curious when Dan said that I haven't watched him enough to know, and it is the ninth worst in the NFL, um, which is bad. But I wanted to really this stat is there's one player above 37%. He has a 40% off target rate on deep targets. Um, and it's not a quarterback you would guess. It's one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Oh. 35% off target rate. 40, 40% of his attempts that have traveled 20 15, 15 or more okay. air yards have been off target. Oh. Um, it's not just, it, is it Justin Fields? No, no it's, a it's a good, good quarterback. quarterback. This is a great stumper. Oh. I know Mahomes has been bad with deep. Throws. Oh, I'm going to say Aaron Rodgers. No, Rodgers is actually pretty. It's not Mahomes, good. right? No, he just hasn't targeted him a bunch downfield, but he has doesn't have bad numbers. Um, let's think. It's not Brady. Uh, Geno. The league. The yeah. league average is 25. percent He's at 40. Off wow, target. 40 percent off target percentage. A good quarterback. How is this stumping? Uh, could it be Stafford? No, but he's no. third worst. Yeah, I thought he said he a bad, bad year. Who that wasn't it? a terrible guess. And yeah, if you move it up to 20-plus yards, it's 50%. The league oh. is, is 31%. Okay, worst, worst deep ball thrower in football, basically. It's Lamar Jackson. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, he has missed a lot of deep ball throws. A lot. All right, here's Daniel's beef. Uh, ask FFT, yes, wide receiver is worst when this channel says to play Sutton, Devontae Smith, 
Wandale Robinson, and my bench wide receiver of Rondell Moore, Darnell Mooney, Allen Robinson oh, all scored at least 10 fantasy points. He all capsed us. He yeah, all whole thing. And how many exclamation? I can't even count the amount of exclamation points we have there. That's at least 10. Who are the oh. bench receivers? Darnell Mooney, Allen Robinson, and who? Rondale Moore. Rondale. Yeah, I mean, like... I would have started I, Rondale over Wandale. Um, really? I have no regrets of starting Sutton and Devontae Smith. Yeah, I don't no think really. anyone really was maybe over Wandale, but no one was suggesting that you would start those other three. I don't think that's realistic, really. Yeah. Like, <laughs> sorry. That oh, well, listen, buddy. Uh, hey, thanks for stopping by. We appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> yelling at us. Have a good day, everybody. Uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow with the waiver wire on Fantasy Football Today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.